You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Jacob Lukowitz, online and social media editor at SD Times. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about how to track your business's cybersecurity preparedness and where to get started with improvements. With me today is Dave Sampson, Vice President of Consulting Services at Thrive, a next-gen managed MSP and MSSP services provider. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jacob. How are you? Great to be in touch. Great. So to start off, uh, what are some of the first immediate measures that companies can take to revisit their data security posture and take protective steps? We talk to a lot of firms in, in many different verticals around proactive steps for cybersecurity protection. What are the right things to be doing as a business entity? How do I protect myself? How do we protect our customer data? How do we protect intellectual property? And in current times, really for every business, the identification of a known cybersecurity framework that best meets the needs of the organization is critical to having a comprehensive strategy to protect against cyber attacks. Uh, There's a lot of different cybersecurity frameworks out there, and really those frameworks articulate all of the control areas, all of the steps that an organization needs to take to have that kind of full coverage against things that could happen. So it might not just be, you know, uh, having complex passwords or having multi-factor authentication or having uh, secure networks. There's, there's really a variety of steps that need to be taken, uh, and it has to do with the proactive approach of, of being able to uh, protect the data, protect the environment, but also from the perspective of being able to predictably recover from an attack. Mm-hmm. So in every organization, really finding a, a known framework that makes sense for that, that, that company, uh, seeing what level of implementation exists currently against that framework in those control areas, and then addressing the gaps. That's really kind of step one, figuring out what it looks like and what the strategy looks like to achieve it. I see. And are you seeing that a lot of the the companies that are coming to you have a cybersecurity framework in place? I think a lot of them are, are trying to figure out, you know, much the question that you asked, okay, what do we need to do first? Where where should we go from here? Mm -hmm. Uh, So we make these best practice recommendations, but often what we see is that the majority of organizations don't know where they stand. They have not adopted a recognized security framework as a formal means of addressing cyber at their organization. And they need someone to come in and say, okay, can you please take a known framework, evaluate where we are, and let us know which is a, a really big first step. It's a good first step. Uh, it's it's a normal first step. Uh, understanding what the State of the Union looks like so we can determine what the strategy needs to be going forward uh, is really a key component. And then determining how to address those issues individually afterwards is, is where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And before we got on the call, you mentioned uh, that validation is a big a big point. So where does it fit into all of this? So understanding what the organizational cybersecurity posture looks like, it's not just a one-time activity. So I talk about uh, doing this assessment exercise, for example. Once we start to understand what technologies we're utilizing to mitigate cyber risk, 
uh, what mm-hmm. steps, policies, and procedures we're going to create within the organization uh, to address controls, really, as far as how data is handled, how we handle user accounts, backups. Uh, we need to monitor each of those on an ongoing basis, right? None of this stuff is really set it and forget it. We want to know with certainty that what we're doing is effective and creating a cybersecurity program uh, with a uh, known vehicle to report on how those tools and platforms are being utilized uh, helps us know that we are doing what we think we're doing. Uh, Mm -hmm. We know that we are taking backups. We know that we have a plan to restore those backups if we need to. And we've also tested the data integrity of those backups because we've executed a restore against them and it's happened within the last 30 days. And that would just be one example. But for every single platform that exists, we want to determine how do we validate this is working? And who is reviewing that validation? Because it's not really just a an IT guy's problem. It's not really just a security engineer's problem. If a organization falls victim to a cyber attack, it's the CEO's problem. It's the board's problem. So those resources need the ability to understand that the right protections have been put in place. And one item that we haven't addressed that comes up significantly with all of this is, is cyber insurance requirements. Those those cyber security uh, liability policies that have existed for years that that really provided a lot of uh, easily earned revenue for insurance companies. With the level of attacks that are taking place now, the risk has gone up so much that they're asking same these same types of questions. Uh, you know, are you are you meeting specific requirements? Much like a security framework, are you utilizing multi-factor authentication? Do you have backups? Are you filtering your email? They want to know these things as well. So, so having this organizational understanding that cybersecurity is part of our culture, uh, we are going to implement solutions to mitigate that risk. We're going to validate those solutions on an ongoing basis. It is really mission critical to every firm in current times. Okay. Great. And do you find that there's a shortage in finding fully credentialed security professionals and how can organizations go about finding them? I think uh, without question, especially in the cybersecurity space, uh, there is a very big lack of qualified talent. Uh, This industry is moving very fast. It's changing very fast. And last check, there was about 650 to 700,000 unfilled jobs just in the United States. And one of the key areas here is that cybersecurity, uh, IT in current times and cybersecurity, it's a 24-hour business. There's a lot of different moving parts. There's a lot of different platforms out there that are being utilized for a variety of functions. And when organizations look to source talent, they really need to do it with purpose. Mm -hmm. There's a wide variety of skill sets that are required to effectively implement these technologies and manage them on an ongoing basis. So if you're a very large enterprise and you have very large IT teams and you can bring in all of those skill sets, that's great. Uh, Mid-market enterprise, small business, it's a lot more challenging to find individual resources who are skilled in the right number of technologies to do an effective job uh, because it's just unrealistic. When these technologies are implemented, you want them implemented in accordance with best practices, and you want to continue to monitor them and validate them, as we mentioned, on an ongoing basis. But if you if you just have you know one, three, five, maybe even ten resources, it's hard to have all of the required skill sets among that group. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, 
cybersecurity, IT operations is a 24-hour-a-day job. So it's unrealistic to think that you're going to be able to staff up on a 24-7, 365 basis to respond to attacks, emergencies, monitoring. And from that perspective, every organization needs to determine, okay, we can start here and we can do a certain amount of work and do it effectively. And then at that point, we know we need to consider outsourcing for these other functions. So performing that self-evaluation, understanding what the organizational needs are, what can we insource and what can we outsource? That's my biggest recommendation for folks from a staffing perspective, especially mm-hmm. given that shortage of qualified talent. I see. Okay. So earlier you mentioned uh, some of the things that companies can uh, initially take, right? Like implementing a cybersecurity framework and evaluating the, the security posture. Um, are there any essential things that that organizations can do to to plan for future security breaches kind of moving past that? Maybe some things that will take a more longer term? Really having uh, effective incident response plans in place, disaster recovery plans, uh, fleshing those plans out, testing them, uh, understanding that they work, uh, knowing that they have the ability to predictably recover from an attack. And and those are the types of questions that C-level executives should really be able to answer for an organization. If we got attacked today, how long would it take us to recover based on validated testing? And and that's really the best top priority uh, to be able to be prepared for those attacks. But it's equally important to be utilizing newer technologies, the, the next gen technologies, if you will, to prevent attacks. So some of our legacy technologies that we utilized, you know, legacy antivirus antivirus software uh, has been replaced now with XDR, EDR, MDR-based solutions, uh, solutions that really are not necessarily looking for matches like our old antivirus software did, and more so uh, being able to pick up on more dynamic activities to prevent attacks from happening before, before they occur. And it's a very big differentiator. Uh, We see new exploits and vulnerabilities coming out all the time. The impact of those exploits and vulnerabilities has a lot to do with what proactive measures organizations have taken, what tools they've deployed, how those tools are deployed, and and that allows them to limit their impact. So being prepared for an attack, knowing you can recover from it is very important. At the same time, follow best practices. Utilize these next-generation technologies Utilize multi-factor authentication. Uh, We see a lot of firms that say MFA is not for us. It's too hard for our users to use. Makes things very difficult. Well, the goal of security practices, security measures, is to make things more challenging. So uh, we're very glad to see that, right? That's what we want to see happen. And given the utilization of smart tools, uh, smartphones rather, by the uh, variety of our our personnel and, and workforce members these days, MFA is something that's easily achieved. So those are the types of best practice steps that really every organization should be looking at to protect themselves and even beyond that cyber awareness training. So so are you actually creating a culture of cybersecurity awareness in your organization? Are you equipping users with the right level of knowledge to be able to defend against these attacks, prevent them from happening? A lot of attacks happen just based on one of those phishing attempts, right? We we see the email come in, we click on it, we mm-hmm. accidentally give up our password. Uh, knowing what to look for, having MFA in place, that squashes a lot of those attacks before they really begin to impact the organization. 
All right. Thank you for all of your insight. There's a lot of important stuff there for our listeners to know, especially now since every company is basically has to be also a security company. That's true. And the times have changed. Yeah. Is there anything else important for our listeners to come away with as a as a highlight point? I think the biggest takeaway is that cybersecurity readiness, uh, cybersecurity protection for your organization is something that needs to be addressed on a proactive basis. Right. Folks think often that maybe they aren't a target. They're too small. Uh, this isn't going to impact me. At the end of the day, if you're attached to the internet, you are a target for cyber attacks. You need to be prepared for that. You need to protect yourself. Uh, we see all sorts of cloning attacks happening even on social media, right? So uh, be thinking about cyber. When you get messages in that don't look right, something might be wrong, uh, those aren't the messages you want to respond to. Uh, make sure you have the right business controls in place in addition to having the right technical controls in place. And you know that comes into play very often when we see uh, ACH wire transfer information get changed out uh, at the last minute. And, and we see a lot of wire transactions that occur that end up being fraudulent. So uh, again, proactive and continue to measure, report, validate, and then make changes as necessary so that your organization is best positioned to prevent those attacks from happening, uh, but to recover from them as well. Right. Great. Well, it looks like that's all the time we have for today's show. And I want to thank you again, Dave, for coming on. Thank you, Jacob. I really appreciate it. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Be sure to check out all of our weekly episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform. Till next time, this has been What the Dev.